Carolina podcast. Diving, diving deep. Diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome. All right, you ready for some mailbag questions, John? Always. We'll do some mailbag again. The practice, next practice is Thursday. Joint practice against the Dolphins. Game on Saturday, 3 o'clock kick. Noon kick, uh, noon pregame. Texans countdown with me and Seth Payne and then um, Clint Sterner and I have post game for you. That's all on Sports Radio 610. So be sure to be tuned into that if you're driving around town, out and about. If you're not watching the game, be sure to tune in and get it on Sports Radio 610. Then we got Saints week next week and uh, and then uh, the regular season will be here before we know it. If you want to email the show, H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com. That's H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com. We start with Marcus and Katie, uh, and he says, John, the other teams who drafted quarterbacks high in the draft, Carolina, Bryce Young, the Colts, Anthony Richardson, they've named them as their starter for week one. When does D'Amico join them? Why is he waiting? Who gives a damn what other teams are doing? Uh, Marcus and Katie gives a damn, Marcus, John. it's ridiculous. He is the starter. Why do they have to name him? Is that going to make you feel better if they name him? No, he's the starter. He's been the starter. And he's going to have to play himself out of that job. So I think D'Amico or, or Casario, somebody said they don't expect just a big announcement. He's our starter. Casario said that on our show on, on yeah, Payne so and Pendergast. Nick said that. You know, yeah. it's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to be a big announcement. It's going to happen organically. He literally, John, when he said that to me and Seth that morning, the previous practice, uh, CJ and Davis were splitting reps evenly. Literally that practice, the day that he said that to us, he said it to us at 7.30. They were practicing at 9 o'clock, and that was the first day where CJ basically got all the reps with the ones. So it happened organically sometime between Payne and Pendergast and that practice that day. Um, so, But you know fans, John, they want to hear the team say it. I don't begrudge Marcus. I agree with you that it's not a big deal. CJ, barring injury, CJ Stroud is going to be the starter in week one at Baltimore, and I can't wait to see how that goes. Um, but you know how fans are, John, especially as kind of, you know, as much PTSD as we have over quarterbacks here over the last few years. That's all. All right. Next one, John. Here we go. Dave Howard, frequent listener to the uh, podcast, frequent emailer to the podcast. Um, I've seen people comment on the fate of Davis Mills. If he is, as expected, the backup QB this season, some think he might be traded before the season or likely midseason to a team that has an injury. He's in the third year of a four-year rookie contract. He maxes out at $1.3 million next season. I say keep him unless someone makes an offer that can't be refused. What say you, John? Dave, I don't see Case Keenum being an emergency quarterback very long at number three at this stage of his career. I know that's not why he was signed in free agency. He's a, you know, he's a good guy. He's not going to complain about it. He's like having an extra coach. But would he have come here if he's going to be the emergency quarterback all season? And I guarantee you he had other offers. So I think when the time comes, if Stroud does well enough to keep the job, and there's a chance they may have to set him and give him a different a different look, let him look from a different vantage point, same way Davis Mills did his rookie year, and he came back and he was a different quarterback. But uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if before that deadline, when a playoff team loses a quarterback and they and they looking around for a veteran he had some really good games his rookie year had maybe one last year but I could see them trading him for a conditional pick and it just depends on how desperate the team is and what that team thinks about him 
Yeah, I, I don't think they're going to trade him just to trade him. I mean, I don't know what conversations they had with Case, but I, like you said, John, Case knows the deal. He's been around the league a while. I'm going to tell you this right now. If C.J. Stroud starts the season in week one and there is some point during the season where they need to yank him so he can sit and watch because it's not clicking for him, people are going to freak the hell out. They're going to freak out because, John, think of it. I mean, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, like what of the good quarterbacks now – have any of them ever had to be pulled because the game was just too fast for them early on in their career? Like I'm, I'm literally asking. Like I don't, I, like I remember Josh I don't Allen. Have a clue. Josh, I didn't Josh have to Allen. About it Josh Allen. Like his career. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm not expecting you to. I'm just, I, I didn't know if you could think of one off the top of your head. Is all. Uh, yeah. Like Josh Allen struggled as a rookie. That would be one where I go. Okay, well, just, he struggled, and they were, yeah. and they're bad. They're terrible as rookies. People in Buffalo call him a bust. Wanted to get rid of him. People in Indy called Peyton Manning a bust when he threw 28 interceptions. And Stroud is not going to do like, say, Andrew Luck or Dak Prescott or Russell Wilson. Prescott and Wilson went in with really talented teams, yeah. played well as rookies, and uh, it's, it's just not going to happen here because it's not a very good team. All right. Wale in Virginia, John, says, my observation from the first preseason game Seems like a couple of the quarterbacks threw the ball outside while receivers were expecting the ball inside. I wonder if y'all noticed the same thing, and is it something we could, that would get resolved as they develop chemistry over time? I'm one of those who think it's better for rookie quarterbacks that they should sit before starting. Anyway, I'm very optimistic and bullish on Stroud's development. Thanks, y'all. John, what did you notice from that first preseason game um, and at camp so far, just in terms of C.J. Stroud and the chemistry he's building with his wide receivers? He's worked hard at it on and off the field. He talks to the wide receivers constantly. I like the way he talks to the defensive players about coverage, yeah. talks to the defensive coaches. But he knows that he he's dependent on the wide receivers, not to mention the tight ends too. But uh, he's worked really hard to build a rapport with them. All right, next one, John. Chris in the ATL, frequent emailer and listener to the podcast. He always has good analogies to go with his questions. Do you – do you know who we should blame regarding the overreactions from many on C.J. Stroud's NFL debut? And I guess what he's talking about is people saying, you know, that he was he struggled, even though he played two series. Uh, he says we should blame Jeff Bezos. With Amazon, everybody now wants instant gratification right away. And I believe it's translating into our sports teams and players. My question, do you think it's fair that people want C.J. Stroud to be an Amazon Prime QB, delivering right away on the expectations, or – do you have a reasonable time frame that he has to perform as a franchise QB? And if so, what is that? I, what is your, we haven't really talked about that, John, but like, forget about week one. Like, what is your, like, what is, what is a successful arc for CJ Stroud look like for you in his rookie year? Be durable, you know, show improvement over the course of the year. He's going to have bad games. I mean, he bounces back from those bad games. He's going to have a low rating and uh, he might get pulled at some point. And, uh, but what they want to see they know he has the ability. They want to see him improve mentally and make good decisions and, of course, know where to go with the ball and be able to adjust on the fly. Chris also wants to know what's the most random thing that you've ordered on Amazon, John. Do you do you order stuff on Amazon? I do. And, uh, boy, my wife's asked me to order stuff for her, like a certain kind of jelly bean. Yeah. Like jelly bellies? Like those kind of jelly beans? Yeah, like I can't remember, but – did they have them? Jelly beans for her. They had them? You know, I'll tell you something else about jelly beans. I hate the black ones. Yeah. And I didn't notice till I started ordering. 
you can get all black. And I wonder what kind of person could eat all blacks. And then I found out John Lopez, John P. Lopez loves black like jelly, jelly beans. beans. Yeah. Makes me sick. Does he like Jägermeister too? Did you ask him that? Because no. that's if you you've had Jaeger, right, John? Yep. Yeah, it's I mean it's basically Jack, it's it's a black jelly bean shot, more or less. I mean that's I hate it. Yeah, I don't like it either. I don't like it either. You can also get crunch berries with just the berries, John, with no Captain Crunch in it. Did you know that? <laughs> nope. I didn't know anything about candy on Amazon except jelly beans. Okay, jelly beans, yeah. My yeah, my my weirdest thing that I ordered off of there was a uh, a Halloween costume. I ordered my entire Halloween costume for last year. I forget what the name of the character was, but I was part of a skit at work for the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And I was the, I, it was that one dance sequence that they did. I was the guy with the scraggly gray hair, like the, the Crypt Keeper guy. Uh, I forget his name. I, I've never seen the movie. I only watched the scene on YouTube. But I've never seen the movie either. You haven't? That shocks me, John, because that's like a cult yep. classic that they play at midnight at all the old theaters. Yep. I've never been. Yeah, that's. I mean, I've, I haven't seen it I know either. All so. about it. I've just never yeah. seen it. Yeah. Are you a fan of midnight showings at movie theaters? I, even when I was young and I'd stay up all night, I still didn't go to movies at midnight. Yeah. I like doing it at River Oaks Theater. I don't know when that's reopening. It's supposed to reopen River Oaks Theater. It's, it's going to reopen next year. It's going to be spectacular. Oh. I can't wait because we go to a lot of movies there. Yeah. Just not Rocky Horror. Oh yeah. I, yeah. It's okay. So you, okay. You're dialed in on this. So you got a time frame for it and everything, huh? Yeah. Okay. I walk by it every day on my walks and I look up and I'm like, it's still, still not close yet. I love that place. That place is cool. You go to tremendous on the inside. It's going to be different. It's going to be more comfortable. Okay. It's going to have a lot more selections and the crowds are going to be prolific. Yeah. Are they going to do reserve seating? Because that's the new thing. You got to have no, reserve seating. I don't know. I wish they did. I'd love yeah. to have reserve seats. Yeah. Yeah. All right, John. Uh, a couple more. Um, let's mix in an Astros one. Henry T says, if the playoffs started next week, what's the Astros strategy with the pitching staff? It'd be Verlander, Fromber, and pray for J.P. France, who is their best pitcher. Yeah, I, I think Christian Javier should be in the bullpen, if if anything, because he has been a huge disappointment. Yeah, he was a disappointment again last night. I, I said this to Seth today, John. I'm curious your thoughts on it. I, I don't know who, you know, if they go, let's pretend they advance to a, you know, they have to play a wild card round. It's probably all hands on deck for those two out of three games, whatever it is, just so you get to the next round. Hopefully they reach a point in the playoffs, you know, divisional series and certainly ALCS and World Series where – you're, you're running more conventionally. You got four starters and everybody else is in the bullpen. Last season, they we knew who the four starters were. It was Verlander, Fromber, Javier, and Lance McCullers. And then Luis Garcia and um, and Jose Urquidy were the next two guys. And they were in the bullpen. And they never, other than the 18-inning game against Seattle, they never had to use those guys because their starters all went deep into games. The bullpen was maybe the best bullpen of any team I've ever rooted for. Everybody was good in the bullpen. They never used Ryan Stanek in the postseason, hardly because they didn't have to. This year, I think, John, I mean, if this is who they are right now, if, if this is who they are and it's good enough to get to the postseason, those extra two starters, whoever they are, are going to get used a whole hell of a lot more than Urquidy and Garcia did last year because the trust level for me is so low on all these leverage relievers right now. Um, 
And I, and, and I think, and especially if those two guys that they do that with are JP France and Hunter Brown, two guys that are used to doing that from their minor league stints, I'm with you. I think Javier is worse than both those guys, but I could see Dusty starting Javier because he's got postseason experience, that kind of thing. I, I'm with you, John. I'm, I'm just telling you what I think Dusty's going to do. John's shaking his head for those just listening. I think those extra starters, and even if one of them is Javier, I think they're going to get used a whole hell of a lot more this year for, for all those reasons. It, that could happen. Dusty sticks with those veterans like yeah. he sticks with Maldonado. Maldi's 37 years old on Wednesday when we record this. It'll be his last year. He's oh. maybe the worst catcher in baseball, but Dusty's going to keep doing it. And uh, and I hope, just because of Javier's experience, unless he turns it around in his last few starts and is better than he's been all season, even when he won seven games, he was shaky. Yep. I would not start him in the playoffs. France is 5-0. and with an ERA in the ones in his last five starts. And Javier has been terrible. Game get out of the fifth inning. Had won a game, has won one game, the last start before this one, when he went five innings. It had been two months and three days. Well, even when, John, even when he's not giving up hits and runs, he's just, his pitch count's getting too high. He he goes deep into counts. He gets behind hitters. Like, he, he, you know. The average number of pitches he throws to each hitter, I got to imagine, is one of the highest in baseball because that dude, for whatever reason, even in games where you look up and he's in the fifth inning, he's only given up a run. He's at like ninety-five pitches. Like he's yep. he he's he's not he he you yes like he's can't be trusted right now. Can't be trusted. A lot of full counts, a lot of foul ball. Yeah, a lot of foul ball. And and then when he gives up, when he gets the full counts and three ball counts on guys, and it's he's at eight pitches and he gives up a single. It's like all right, well that. <laughs> I'm okay with eight pitches if you get the guy out, but putting a lot of guys on base. All right, Can you um, imagine if they had started Chaz McCormick in center field and Yonder Diaz at Tetzel all season, both of them have 16 home runs. Yeah. They'd be in the 20s in home runs yeah. if they had, had been kept those positions all season. If Yiner had enough at-bats to qualify, he would have the second-best OPS of any catcher in baseball right He's already got one less home run than Adley Rutschman, who is Put him the, on the, bench. the next big thing. Yeah, it's dusty, man. All right, well, another story for another time.